I love when your power get like your power goes out and the PS5 yells at you. I I don't love it actually. No, like, I don't because it, it scares me. It feels I feel like the, like it's gonna come alive and fucking slip my throat. It's like I'm sorry, I didn't do it. My and, power went out. I, I had nothing it goes to do with into it. To a bunch of like scary like back end screens that are like re- rebuilding such and such, and it's like okay, you're being and a bit the dramatic font, right now. And like and the font that tells you you fucked up is different than anything else in the console. You can't find it anywhere else. And it's like, do you think I want this? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. But hello and welcome to the Bandwagon Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Owen Shannon. Joining me, you just heard his voice, the DM, Peter Gorski. How are you? I'm okay. I'm tired. And our other co-host, Mark Gorski. How are you? think i'm doing okay it's a it's been a busy week but i'm glad i can just hang out here we're here to talk enjoy ourselves and you know that's all we're focusing on this is gonna be uh you know one of the rare uh episodes where it basically gets released almost immediately after we record it we're, we're only recording a day before typically there are many days before so this is gonna be real cutting edge stuff real up to date um all right, Mondays are episodes. We talk about video games here, and uh, we're going to continue doing that today. Peter Gorski, you have some news to share with us? I finally beat Nier Automata, everybody. Woo! No, you didn't. Woo! Did, Excuse you get me? Ending, did you get ending G? No, 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 no. I got ending F. I got ending oh. G, F, and Y. I got go fuck yourself. I, that's my favorite uh, ending. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was... Okay. Look at you, Peter. That uh, Quick on your feet there. Thank that you. That was good. Oh, hurt, hurt my feelings but, a little bit. That was okay. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Are we starting with this? Yeah, why not? So... We gave ourselves, or so, you know, we'll talk about it a bit later. We're all, us three and some of our friends are all playing XCOM 2 War of the Chosen because I won game predictions last year. I'm, I'm a winner. I won. And we gave ourselves a deadline of March 19th. Beat any games you're currently working on because coming around March 19th, we're all starting XCOM. So I finally had a deadline to beat Nier Automata and also Hi-Fi Rush, which I will talk about later in a much more positive light. But... So I just I told my roommate, look, if I'm not playing near Automata, make me play near Automata. It, it has to get done. It has to end. I can't just let this linger anymore. So I just forced myself to do nothing else but play near Automata this week after I beat Hi-Fi Rush, and it's finally done. And yeah. I know we're not doing an sp- official spoiler cast <laughs> this week because Mark and Owen say they want to be ready. I, never, I just wanted. I, I was never asked about this. Mark, why did you just talk for Owen? Did you? I didn't. Do I didn't say Owen. I never. I said I want to be ready for a spoiler cast. Prepared, but I'm not prepared today. But we will. We'll get to it. A spoilery filled. So then I guess. And again, we're we only we have a deadline for recording today, so we can keep this point a bit shorter. I just want to say. I don't fucking get it. But you rolled credits. You get it now. No, I don't. No, I don't. Even remotely. I want to be clear. I don't think it's a bad game. Like, I, I've i talked about, like, 
the history of this podcast, Return of the Oberdin and Dragon Age Origins have definitely warranted more of my ire. I -hmm. think those are worse games. I dislike them more. I have more negative things to say about them than Nier Automata. But the way people talk about how this game like changed their fucking life and is oh, like I went and watched Skill Ups like third a thirty minute review I, of this I game. I also watched it post. Owen, you would think this game like brought the dead back to life. What the fuck? I just want to know like what did I miss? What was I not getting? I kept waiting for the moment where it's like, oh man, I'm going to love 9S as a character. I will also say this. 9S is one of my least favorite characters in games. I don't like his design. He kind of sucks. Yeah. I don't like his design. I don't like the way, I don't like the, like the direction his act, like his voice actor has to do. I fucking hate playing as him. I don't really find him, I don't find him interesting at all, especially when he's paired against another character that shows, because we're avoiding spoilers. Uh, I, I will say the third character, probably the best of the three. <laughs> I, I think by a decent margin, I, 2B also, I don't really like, but I liked her more than 9S. Like 2B, I was indifferent. 9S, I think, actively sucks 9s sucks 9s is probably the thing i'm most negative on this entire game i think 9s sucks so hard he's such a whiny nothing character who i don't understand i i just don't think he ever has enough to do or is given enough reason to ever have like these strong emotional reactions to story events that are happening around him because he's never really seemed to be that strong of a character to begin with to have strong reactions to anything that happens this is going to be a half spoiler cast. I'm sorry. Like, I just, at least you two don't have to say anything. I just have to give my thoughts because it's if, finally if, done. If people are scared of near spoilers, then they, they should proceed with caution, I think. Yes. Yes, I think that's fair. A fair, uh, a fair. And I've finally done this. It's been a year. I need to say this. So, can I, does that mean I could just say anything? No, well, I mean, I guess. I'd I guess. Say, just. Uh, I, I'd say yeah, you can you can vent everything, but we're not going to have our full on spoiler no, in depth I'll, discussion. I'll yet, really, but you can spill the beans. I'll really try. I'll try everyone to remember to put a time code in the description of of when the near conversation ends. Was I supposed to feel something when Tubi died? Was I supposed to feel something? Something was just a little shock. again. I was supposed to be just like wincing of like, oh shit, I don't feel a fucking thing. I, d- I, I don't pretty, think I, I felt anything upset. either. I, w- um, I was a little upset, just shocked that they were actually pulled the trigger, and then it was just more so reflecting on it throughout all of the third chapter that she's gone. What's there to reflect on? What? Because that's what everyone says. Like, oh, when you beat the game, you really look back, and so much more of it makes sense. And no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. These are pl- these are plain average characters i don't understand the writing is so contrived and overly complicated that i failed to understand many of the concepts and story beats it's trying to have me understand it's told in such an over a like, convoluted way that i failed to under and again that's when people who love it, like wait well, it's just too smart for you it's like no your your stories are too over complicated you're making them too contrived so that they seem more interesting than they really are. I it just drives me crazy. It really fucking does. I found myself frustrated over the fact that 
2B and 9S specifically are such kind of cliche characters. I um, agree. In that, like, 2B really doesn't, at least not until much later on, and it's it's really actually not until you know her intentions in everything after after she's gone. Um, she's kind of just like cliche waifu character. Don't say that word. Well, I mean, am am I wrong? She's dressed like no, a French but... maid. Yeah, um, I just don't like the fucking word. And I don't, I don't think that that like inherently discredits her, but they just don't do a very good job at uh, fleshing her out while you're playing as her. And then I just, I don't like Nina being the cliche, like naive boy who doesn't seem to actually understand what's going on at all. And he has like the emotional capacity of a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, there's an important reason for that. Uh, the plot point being that the the nine S unit, this Android unit, uh, is just capable of learning and becoming so smart that it would reveal all the secrets that this whole organization is kept on. And that's why two B is assigned to constantly kill nine S, no, prevent it from becoming that smart. That's what makes two B more interesting in retrospect. Um, I don't I don't think that explains why nine S though is like a crybaby. It's because he's like constantly like fresh out of the box is what he is. He's like he has not had that kind of development ever because he's constantly been killed just to make sure he can do his job. Like that is all that is important. It is not uh, the emotional maturity is not there because he's not had the time to because all these robots are more human than they are let on to be. But they are just the cogs in this Yorha machine that are not allowed to grow any further. Okay. I don't know, man. Hi-Fi Rush is a bunch of friends who are listening to a badass music and having fun. I'm like, I like these guys more. These guys are better. <laughs> this, is, this, this story means more to me. Um, Just uh, go ahead. I, I think my main question for you, Peter, and I I feel like we're going to fall more in the same line with this, even though I I I don't think I'm wrong in saying I was generally more positive on the game. Um, the ending E credits. I like the weight of the world. I like that song. Yes, I th- oh, I thought it was great. Weight of the world's wonderful. Wonderful um, song. I didn't experience that like brought to tears moment. No, nope. like everyone. Not In even fact, a roller coaster. I. I was actually more getting annoyed than anything during. It. I was about to call you because it kept going on, and I was like, "What the fuck's going on? Like, am <laughs> I supposed to lose? Like, this is going on forever." And it's just, I, everyone's like, "It's the greatest credits ever." It has. I bet the near automata hardcore. So I feel like it has that that credit sequence has nothing to do. Like, I don't see how that elevates anything that's come before the game. Like you don't see I don't what the connection like, is like between that that sequence to the themes or the whole story as a whole. Yes, I I okay. see some thematic connection, mainly in that like a lot of the game is sort of different 
philosophies going back and forth at each other, but all of them are kind of mostly hopeless philosophies. And then, and then here in the credits, you finally get your little glimmer of hope at the end. And I, I was cool with the glimmer of hope at the end. I, I was, I was satisfied by that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do kind of agree with Peter in that it it connects to the rest of the game in a very abstract way in that it's it's kind of hard to see those threads clearly and have it enhance anything that you did before it and i would i would like mark to to hear how you felt in those moments but um mm-hmm. you might not be prepared for for that type of question uh, to give it my best summary of it, because like I also, when playing through the game, I almost put it down during, I want to say, before my my A playthrough was done, because I really wasn't vibing with it. I thought a lot of the characters are, like you guys are saying, very uh, caricature-y. I didn't think there was a lot of depth. Everyone yeah, just see, felt that, like... I get, uh, that was me, and it never... It, I carried that feeling throughout the entirety of my playthrough. It wasn't until the very ending of uh, and playthrough A... Just the very like final cutscene, or just like two B's, like so concerned, so happy to have Nine S back. I just felt like this. This scene is just like huge, like a huge contrast to what I felt like two B was. Just very calm, collected, here to do the job, kind of thing. And it's very much her forward. And then starting on to play through B, you start with the machine, like hopping around with the bucket of oil, and I'm just and we're starting over from the beginning. And then I was just really curious. It's like okay, there's more here. They have more to tell here coming off of that feeling just like okay i feel like i haven't seen the whole story here now the game's trying to present hey we're gonna go through this again see what you didn't see before and i thought okay this is gonna be a little bit interesting i start doing more of the side quests also also which i really like a lot of the side quests um but i'd say to get to the credits here why what i think really kind of pulls together is that throughout the whole game, the whole beginning of the game, you are Yorha. This is about preserving mankind for the glory of mankind. And as the game just kind of progresses, you kind of see how many more machines are kind of like how the machines live. Everyone just trying to hold on to something, but Yorha has something to hold on about the glory of mankind. And then you kind of realize this is all for nothing. Of course, there is no mankind left. They're just trying to keep together some semblance of control order. And that all kind of falls apart too. Uh, and everything just kind of seems uh, grim at that point. Everything just doesn't, nothing really matters in this world is what it's trying to say. Uh, but there's like this one glimmer of hope that you can sacrifice everything of your save file. Because that's, I guess, the most you can really sacrifice in this digital format. Like That's what you can do. You can off delete everything. It is gone. It's the biggest emblems of you sacrificing everything just for the smallest, the smallest thing that one person... Uh, does a little bit better during this quote-unquote impossible credit sequence where I imagine like if this game did not do well imagine this credit still just becomes unbeatable because enough people are not you know offering their save data to to get you through this if, if other people weren't doing this it becomes impossible but so many people have it is just you steamroll through it which I think is kind of nice it's like with the odds there that if not enough people are doing that, uh, this becomes unbeatable, but it is so consistently beatable, which I think is something that's very cool about that credit sequence. And I'm sure you could kind of say just like, 
maybe the developers would patch it because they want people to finish that game. Oh, sacrificing your save data really doesn't mean that much. But I just think, in addition to like what the story was before it, the whole package that that, that credit sequence kind of has some sort of movement to it. It's at least a little funny that succeeding in that credit sequence is gatekept to those with an internet connection. That's very true. <laughs> um, I think people... Uh, who am I to tell them they can't enjoy this? But I, I think people are a little too Do much it, suckers Owen. for uh, the journey effect of uh, this game has me interacting with others and I have no idea who they are, yet they're helping me reach the final goal, uh, which is what a lot of people credit journey with being so great because of how they do that. Um, and I don't know. I guess I wasn't as sold on it with journey either. Um, I, I can sort of see that deeper reading of stuff. It just doesn't get me all touchy feely. And the one thing that I, I like cringed in the credits when it asks you like, do you think games are just silly little things? Oh my God. And you have to <laughs> yeah. say no. Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Yeah, I don't like that either. I think that's very dumb. Um, also, another scene that happened where I was like, I don't know. I, I, this is a bit of a leap. And I think you two will both, I think Mark will heavily disagree with me. Oh, and I think you're going to just disagree with me. Was what happens to the kids of Pascal's village I thought that was kind of an oh shit moment I I look again I I respect here's my thing I this that was probably one of the better moments of the game for me I respect I because I'm trying to think about this properly because again I'm not trying to be the usual like kind of cynical dickhead here because this is a moment I actually appreciate but also do have just qual- I don't know qualms is the right word I really like Pascal's ending where he's just like wipe my memories I can't live with this and then later on I ended up accidentally going to Pascal's village as 9s after that happens and you find Pascal there and they're just talking to you like it's just a completely flag blank slate robot and Ines like Pascal, what's wrong with you? Like, who's Pascal? I don't know who that is. So, well, that's a nice name. Maybe I should take it. It's just like, oh man, that's. I mean, you know why mm-hmm. that happens? Like, that's fucking rough. But just the idea that, like, I don't know. Every time I was like, oh, I've taught the kids fear, and I accidentally taught them about suicide, and then they all killed themselves. That, that it's is, like, it's a big well, it jump. Seems like a bit of a jump, don't we think? It's like, a big I don't jump, know for sure. Yeah, that's why I was like, this is technically isn't bad. But it's just, and again, it's like there's no other hints, there's no other implications that that was everything. It's like, oh, I taught them fear, so they all did a mass suicide. Like, I, I don't know, I don't know. And like, it's I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I think equating suicide to fear is that's my thing. Is like, not there's exact so many one to one. Like that's like one to ten. What about two through nine? Like did did we we didn't ever get to see? And I swear, Mark, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But there's one or two other like adult machines in that room. It's not just the kids. So the fact that the adult machines go, yeah, kids, let's all kill ourselves. It's like I don't. Well, it's a moment where it's not like 
people these these machines are in a situation where logic is not going to they are very emotionally charged in this very dreadful moment and enough of a panic say theoretically if the adults are the one panicking the most and they start the suicide and then the kids in the room see that and they're like oh my god the the but we don't but we don't see that that's a huge what if we have no idea i mean like the fact that we didn't see it like we can only imagine what happened in that room to bring everyone to that i, but that's I don't too, know like i yeah no that's it, too it much for me that it's giving it a lot of credit. I, I'm not trying to say, like, you guys have to understand. Like, that's logically, that's that it would have made more sense for Anakin Skywalker to be there. Like, just, yeah, just like, have. I, I didn't think about it as deeply as maybe I should have, but Peter bringing up, like, oh, fear is the only thing that, that, or is the primary thing that leads to suicide and such these children decided that would be their best salute. I I don't know. Under- like, it's too much me. of a jump. It's too here's, much of a jump. What I went in there is like, the okay, the, the all way, right, let's calm down. The way that you guys are framing this is like as if these kids are like really educated on the sense that like, they they it's live like, in a more it's modern like saying world. They, I taught a caveman fire, and then they went and built a fucking rocket. Like it's just we gave them like the first inclination of something, and then then they immediately reached to one of the ultimate ends. Like it's just, I just don't buy the drastic jump. It's just these, way too much. There's no other hints at two through nine steps of fear. It's just oh, they're fear jump to suicide like, like but here, here's the thing here's the thing though between the machines and all the yorhai units they are all built and uh trained for their whole purpose to just be war machines and this is like the sense of these people who have not had much contact with their emotions at all just forced to kind of make these decisions these are all and part of the reason why maybe it's a bit annoying that like there's they're making such rash decisions but none of them have this very strong semblance of emotional intelligence here because they are just built to be machines for war and it's them trying to piece their pieces of humanity together and kind of dreadful results by the end because like the whole thing with even the bucket scene or just going through the first playthrough just realizing just oh these machines aren't what they need to be or aren't what they seem to be especially going through the amusement part kind of thing it's like oh they aren't trying to kill people here oh the bucket thing they're just trying to to be alive they're trying to be something because there is more than that inside of them uh so these kids hey they're also kids uh just i think it makes more sense that maybe they make a rash decision like that in in this huge panic sequence in the factory it's it's a little nitpicky i think i might am Peter's part. It is. At least. No, no, again, okay. I've had again. It's it, this comes nothing compared to my issues. That is nine S. Like I mm-hmm. want to be clear about that. That's why I said like, oh, this isn't an all bad sequence. This is an awful yeah. sequence. It's just like the. Tr- I just feel like the game's like here's a serious moment. What do you think about that? I'm like, I think you fucking asked me on a date, and by the end of it, you asked me if I wanted to marry you. Like it's just mm-hmm. there's. It was like, hey, this isn't a bad time. It's like why? I just I don't know if I jumped. I don't know if I believe how we got to this conclusion. I just. Yeah. Think- Something about the near games that I really like, uh, both like near replicant and near automata, is that it's kind of like all of them are about like these very small people. I want to say, and uh, in, in a world where like huger things are happening, but you never really get to hear the story of what's going on, like the the grand picture of major events that are happening in the world. Like you're focusing on small people, 
going through this kind of bleak and empty world trying to make sense of it, even though it's not really about them making sense of it. Uh, and just usually the grand picture of what's happening in the world is something really bleak, so terrible, something the world will not be able to recover from. Like, it, it, the end is nigh kind of things kind of happening. Uh, and just people trying to exist in that. And I think that's something this scene is kind of about, you know, like there's this whole cult kind of going on and this, this one village that is all about peace and trying to, to grow just kind of, I don't want to necessarily, necessarily say coexist in, with, with that, but just they're trying to figure themselves out, but like just the horrors of other people figuring themselves out uh, in, in this cult fashion just didn't very mix well and it just ended the, went to their demise. And something I wanted to share with you, Peter, because I know I talked to Owen about this, I think off air, but with that Pascal scene, uh, if you wipe Pascal's memory, I think while playing as 2B and you go back to the factory. No, I said that. If you go back as 9S and you go back and you talk to Pascal, and it was the thing I liked about how they're oh, just, no, just no, standing no. alone in the village. Not and that. Just completely blank slate. 9S is like trying to talk to him like Pascal and it's just completely unresponsive. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. No, 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 no. Not even that. It's if you go back to the factory where you do that, Pascal oh. is there and has opened a shop and will sell you weapons. And the weapons are made from the corpses of all the children. Oh, I know there was a, the, the, the child's core for a 30,000. Yeah. I was like, and holy shit. For all the weapons, when you upgrade them, you kind of get like more flavor text that tells a story and it is like cursed words of like the souls of the children. Just the, you get more and more of them just like not, be, not understanding why they are weapons now and what has happened and maybe why. But again, happened. on paper, that's that would have been really cool if I bought the child suicide, which I don't. So for me, it's like, eh, it's another thing like eh, like yeah, it's nitpicky it's just like oh that's technically a neat detail if that works for that story beat works for you and you believe it i just didn't mm -hmm. it was just now a2 is better than 2b and 9s I, a2 is my least favorite of the three i'm not gonna wow. lie i i really didn't like what it. the fuck dude I, like, I like at the a2. end when it's like like when it's at the end of like choose between a two and nine a two, like it was like it I wasn't even fair. a question. I, I, I was instantly a two a two. I was saying like kill him, kill the motherfucker, kill nine s, kill this little bastard. Like I'm sick of him. And as I'm like, I'm like yeah, and oh my god, I was like oh my god when she's beating him in a fight. I'm like here we go a two. You're doing you're doing the Lord's work. And it's like I need to save him. It's like no you don't, no you don't, no you don't. I mean, I definitely that me is whenever you fought 9S or A2, all of a sudden they have so many moves you don't have you don't have access to, and well, it's just like, oh great, well, so the boss version of these guys are so much cooler than what I. Maybe can. maybe you would have access to those moves if you used other weapons and tried other things. So no, I'm not gonna say not I'm not gonna say you didn't have access no. to it, but you didn't want to. To, and to that's be fair, I, I have I have two points to make here, but they're unrelated. Uh, uh -huh. Off of that, finding pods is like ridiculously difficult. There's not a lot of them in the game, and they're very useful. And yeah, they're hard to find. I think I found like two of them and in then my playthrough. Quick, going back to before before the children uh, all dying. Um, one moment that I actually looked at the game and thought, like, you know what, you are kind of cool, was when A two and Pascal are fighting all those machines outside, and. It's not the most like mechanically fun thing, 
but Pascal just like becomes a Pacific Rim robot, and you're doing like a little battle. It's like okay, I I respect this game, yeah, for doing. Yeah, this. I did like that. Uh-huh. Um, and and that's from a gameplay perspective, that is what I look at that game uh for and think it's interesting is that like y- you guys are willing to swing. And it's not always working, but you're changing shit up a lot, and it's it's pretty cool that they're willing to do that. There's a, there's not many games that are changing up their gameplay as much as Near Automata is. There is this the and again I'm not trying to like dunk on Near, but just there's a comparison I found myself having because I beat Hi-Fi Rush and Near in the same week. There's a moment in Hi-Fi Rush that moves me more than anything in Near Automata, and it didn't come close. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I had that realization of like I don't I just don't know why this game had so many like story beats because again I I don't because I I feel like there's this might be like this built-in bias like oh well, it's a mark game so clearly Peter's not gonna buy it but I always feel like I can point to immortality of how much I liked that game being like there are mark games I can enjoy it's just not common for me to do so um, Mark, do you want to make any more points on Nier or Peter? Do you have anything else? I feel like um, we're, we're approaching the end here. Like, I mean, like I said before, I want to go do a deeper spoiler cast where I'm going to like ask you guys more questions and really have you like maybe maybe try to engage with it in ways that you either didn't like about it or just maybe ways you weren't thinking about because we're going through it a little quicker and maybe even bring up some ways of the side you didn't stuff think about because the game's too smart for no, us and our too I mean, tiny I'm, are too far fucking no, 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 no. just can't comprehend this masterpiece when like, i finished again, the like, game you watch this you watch the skillet review i was like man what's that game can i play that game like what are the fuck he's talking about i would love to play that game that sounds awesome i mean i'll watch that just because that'll be something we're on the same page about I, pr- I don't think i've seen this before uh and maybe point out like okay let's connect the dots here where we can find what this person's talking about and maybe just some of the other stuff i know i saw in the game point at that and just be like how did you guys think about this feel this do you do you come to this conclusion now that I'm tying these things together? Because when I finished the game, there's a lot of it I didn't tie together as well. But like just from the credits, I felt like once I got to the credits, I kind of understood like maybe what this was more about. And but like you're talking about like, oh, because if you go back, people. it's like, oh, 2B's unit are supposed to kill 9S's unit to get too smart. And as a, all the things are lined together. It's like, yeah, I want to kill 9S too. Uh-huh. Like, you know, it's like, I can't, it's like, it's like, I can't look at that and be like, oh, what an emotional thing. It's like, no, I want to kill 9S. And the first chance I got to kill 9S, I took it. Like, it's like, it's just, that's not an emotional. When, like, wow, that's really deep, man. It's like, no, I would, I have, I would have done the same. When I finished the game, I deeply hated 9S also, but came to appreciate him more when thinking more about the situation, the, the whole, I uh, whole you. position he was in throughout the whole game. It has been his whole life. I promise you, I will always hate 9S. You will not change my mind on that topic. Mm-hmm. I uh I I was actually a little bit softer on him than it seems both of you were initially at least. Um mm-hmm. I just thought like uh he's not great. That that was about my final opinion on him. But there was one mm-hmm. there was one moment. I'm sorry I I cut you off, but I just remembered it and I need to get it out. Where there's like it's like a middle of a combat scene or like a fight scene, and there's a robot just says like, like I'll kill you all, and then Ninas goes, yeah, 
that's my line. And I had to pause the TV and go for a walk. I'm like, oh my God. I was just like, oh my God. It's typical like angsty anime bullshit line, like NG line, but it coming out of him and just like, no, that's not your line. You never say this. That's like, uh, oh, I was disgusted. I mean, you know, surely Nine S talks about someone calling them nines before, right? That they have a friend, right? Yes. Yes. It was 2B. You guys know this, right? Um, no. Why, why Am I supposed to care? And I mean, it's just like... Is that, is that supposed to mean something? It is. It's just like... It just makes it even harder because 2B has to hear like him struggle to remember who this was. And 2B, of course, loves 9S. And it's just like the person that she loves is like always trying... Always constantly trying to remember who this person is who's calling him nines like that is if he has this friend is like no it was me but that's the that's the thing i feel like a lot of things like well with the automata is like well did you realize that this means that and i'm like i don't give a fuck that doesn't mean anything to me and i feel like that's the main wow moment that gets so many people but if i don't give a fuck about the characters or the story the wow moments are let's like if i pull owen aside and start like explaining to him intricacies of international politics. Like, did you want? Like, do you understand the relationship of Kazakhstan and Russia now during the Russia-Ukraine war? He'd go like, "That means nothing to me. That means absolutely nothing to me." And that's what I feel like the like the whole near shit is like these intricacies and continuity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I don't know, and I don't care, so I don't. I'm not going to be wowed by this. I like. I like when things allow you to put pieces together. But I do too, and I like the initial thing. Something like that little detail of, oh, well, it was always 2B calling him nines. I, I'm i not quite sure that they ever made it clear that, like, uh, that that was even a possibility, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, they They don't do a very good job at establishing, like, there is history between those two beyond what you've played. Cause mm-hmm. I definitely did not ever uh think that. Cause I, I I really didn't even realize it was an option for me to think that way. I know um, there's a side there's a side quest in the game where uh, you're hunting to the side quest. It doesn't always, but I and that's this isn't even like the one side quest that like puts all this into perspective. But like, I know there is one side quest where you have to hunt down a rogue assassin, uh, Yorha unit, uh, and Tubi's incredibly uncomfortable with it. And Ninus is like, "Oh, this person's rogue. We have to do this as part of our job." And part of the reason Tubi's not ex- very thrilled about it is because it's the type of unit that she actually is, the one that is supposed to be hunting down smarter. And like, mm. and then 9S gives a whole spiel of, like, this is what they're supposed to do. Or not, not like, the pure fact that he's, they have to hunt down. Uh, but, like, look at Owen's reaction right there. That, mm, that was like, oh, that's actually interesting. That's uh, something you say when your friend is telling you something they think is interesting, but you don't think mm-hmm. it's interesting. Because I know Owen is exactly what he just fucking did. This is true, Owen. Yeah, hey, he's true. laughing. Yeah, I guess he knows I'm right. Uh, it's... It, it, it may not be as strong as Peter is saying, but I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm not. I'm still not sold. Um, we'll get into it another time. Yeah, uh, and I. I think near Automata is like a seven point five to an eight out of ten. I I like the game, and I just happen to be agreeing more with with 
some of Peter's points about it. Mm-hmm. Um, only the like only a, other thing, I give it a seven. I'd give it a seven at best. That, uh, that's actually surprising, to be honest. So honestly, for me, because again, it's just like. I mean, again, I mean, ever since we've been doing this podcast, I've played some games that I fucking hated, and this isn't one of them. I didn't, I don't hate Near Automata, but when I see it nominated for Game of the Year alongside Breath of the Wild, Persona Five, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm glad you think so highly with games like them. You think so highly of Persona Five? I'm happy that that. I respect it. I don't like. I, I, you know, I don't. I'm personally never going to play it, but I can respect it from afar and what it's managed to achieve. But again, you're on top, like near Automata, the game of the year, one of the best games ever made. Like I, you're, I don't want to say someone's wrong because I don't, I don't know if I feel strongly enough to really argue that point. I just don't agree. I do think I appreciated near Automata even more after I played near Replicant. Well, oh, guess what? Okay. Guess what? Yeah, that's the, all of you well, losing to this <laughs> other thing. Yeah, you oh, and I have to win predictions. It's yeah, we can't lose. Yeah, I was about to say, Mark, win the predictions, and then we can get back to you. On that. We'll talk about that. The, the uh, very I'll, I'll last, actually, I'll oh, probably on. play Replicant one day. I mean, I oh, I enjoyed God. Automata enough to bullshit. What I I played near Automata in like two and a half weeks, despite me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not sure if I'll have the fire. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you'll you'll need more fire for Replicant because when people say like play through A, play through B, you have to do the same thing over again. Like it, Replicant is literally you will play this game three or four times, and each playthrough has breadcrumbs different. Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna play it on my own. It's gonna yeah, be a great a, time. Well, maybe bigger ask. It's a bigger ask, but I I think. I'm slowly liking it more. I, th- I think I'm comfortably can say I like it more than Automata at this point. That's you're you're just lying. I don't so, know. So one of your friends convinced you they made some very good case as to why they think it's better, and now and now you've just fully adopted that. No, Go no, no. I feel like when it comes, like here's the here's the thing. I like sad things. This is this is no Boy, surprise to everyone here. Near Automata has that glimmer of hope at the end. Near Replicant does not have the clipper of hope at the end <laughs> it is just bad things have happened and you kind of just have to sit with it i guess they're they're kind of in a supposed so i didn't play the original one there's like an extra thing at the very end of replicant that kind of gives you a bit more to make it kind of seem a gleam of hope at the end but ultimately there is none there is none of the grand scheme of things they just try to make it look nicer for the main characters but i get the last thing i want to bring up here because it's something I'm excited to talk about. You know the little ball in Near Automata who just kind of shows up and doesn't do anything for the story? Yeah, Emil. Yes. yes, Emil. Do you guys know anything about Emil? I know that Yoko Taro wears him on his head. Yes. Yes. And is that it? Um, I one time oh, tried to buy this... from his shop and it just like wouldn't let me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So... Oh, and get, sit down. He's about to wow us. We're about to love Nier Automata so much more after this. Uh, All right. Let's... This is more so just for me than you guys because I like to talk about it. Emil, oh, Emil's just a character from the first game. He's one of the main characters from Nier Replicant. Oh, you know, you um, you asked me, like, oh, what if I told you there were replicant characters in this game? And I, I assumed that it was obvious who it was. I, d- I didn't think it. A meal with a person. Okay, I thought it was like the pink haired twins. Yeah, that's yeah, so like these I are thought probably so too. characters. They okay, I'll connect the dots here. So they are and they are androids based off of characters from the first one, and they are looked lowly on and th- thought less of because 
they failed to do something in their replicant. Uh, and because of that, they doomed humanity because they failed. Uh, and that, that is the connection there. That is what they are. They were, they were important. They failed. And now humanity hates them forever because their failure doomed the human race. So that's, that's what they were about. And then Emil is the main character and he has a whole side quest. I've never actually done the side quest cause I, I know it's a bit tricky, but, uh, he ultimately is a super boss in the game and you have to kill him. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. That is cool. But uh, let's end on a happy note about Nier Automata because that's not how Mark likes his game. So I think playing as A2 was great. And we can end the conversation there on a happy, positive Nier mode. There we go. Uh, approximately 40 minutes and 40 seconds for the end of spoilers. I'll do everything I can to remember to put that in the description. But Nier spoilers are officially over. It's March. Over three months into the year. Uh, I want to do a little bit of a temperature check on the year in gaming so far. If anything's really stood out to us, uh, we we can touch on things we're anticipating. We kind of do that a lot, but um, that's part of the conversation. And uh, yeah, see how we're feeling. See how into games we are. What What games we're gravitating towards at the moment. I'll start. I think that this year so far, I I expect it to turn later on in the year, but it's been a little weird how the main standouts have been Hi-Fi Rush and remakes. And everyone wanting to make the case that remakes are like completely valid to give game of the year to and and we're gonna we're gonna have a year where dead space a game that is fully based on a game that was made before it and it was it experienced minimal changes uh, it's probably going to be nominated for game of the year and i i just i i don't like that that's been kind of the main takeaway from the beginning of this year i I mean, I don't think it's going to be because I think we still have a very stacked year of games. Or if it's going to be six nominations, I think we can all comfortably say Tears of the Kingdom is a lock, right? No, yes. no big deal there. I would say I think, Starfield is also a lock. I, I will see when we get there. It could be a cyberpunk situation. I am way more positive on that game than you two. The fact that they oh, got an extra I'm, year delay, I think the game's going to be great. I'm, I'm apprehensive. Like I don't want to get my heart broken, but I'm a yeah. huge fan of those games, so mm -hmm. I, I want you to be right. I mean, I'm excited for it, but at the same time, we have to we have to point to Cyberpunk. That game got delayed so many times. We're like, oh, this game's just going to be fine when it comes out. It's been delayed so many times. That's not universally the case here, and it could easily be something like that. We don't know. So I, I would hold your breath. I'm hopeful. I think they've got a good chance. I thought Cyberpunk also had a really good chance of just I, being, I think, oh, yes, fine. I think we they have heard the name Cyberpunk enough time in their ears to know that that can't be the case. And also, they've they've experienced, I, I would say, unprecedented delays. I mean, it's been uh, in development for like seven or eight years, and they keep naming a date and then deciding, no, actually, we're not ready. So at, at some point, whenever, whenever the game actually does come out, and we'll see, 
I don't think the September date is set in stone either. Uh, but when it does come out, I don't think it'll be a cyberpunk situation. I think it'll be mm-hmm. more judged on how people feel about the actual game as opposed to some of the technical aspects mm-hmm. of it. Um, what uh, we were talking locks though, what we think the locks yes. will be. RE4 remake, I think, is just going to be a lock. And that's that's the <laughs> remake I feel like we will see there. And uh, of course, Metroid Prime remake remastered, I don't think will be in the conversation at all no. for some reason. Well, Final but, Fantasy but it 16. Shouldn't it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. I mean, the fact that like the reason I say that is specifically in like comparison to Dead Space, where it's like it's weird. I feel like that that's going to be in the the conversation, but maybe Metroid Prime isn't. Um, it's like I feel like I feel like neither should be or both should be. You know? all, all because Dead Space like included a mechanic from two that wasn't in the game originally, and it has a secret ending. Like I, I just don't think that's enough to uh, mm-hmm. to justify saying it's a wholly different game. Yeah, uh, I would agree. But uh, Final Fantasy sixteen, Peter said. I think yes. I think there's a very good chance. Um, I know Mark I'm is a little more skeptical, but now that we've had the previews that came out recently, and after reading a lot about that and seeing some of the stuff, like I'm, I'm a bit more open to the idea that that could find its way into the game of the year. I mean, I'm even more excited for it now. If I'm being completely honest, as long as they stick the landing narratively, I think I'll be really excited for this game. But even though it does come out, cutscenes. Yeah, I'll take it. That's that's a good sign to me for for a Final Fantasy. Um, I, Diablo 4 is the one I wanted to bring up next because I'm starting to hear good things from the current beta that's happening do, do we have any feelings towards Diablo I, 4? Dude, I've never touched Diablo with it like I've, I don't know what it's, it looks like I don't nothing oh, about really? Diablo you don't even know what, how it plays? I think it's like a top down uh-huh. uh huh I don't play, <laughs> I don't you, top down have you ever played a gauntlet game? I don't know what the hell that I is. Don't even know it's a series. It's a series. It's it's like Diablo. Um, I don't know. I don't want. I sorry. I, really? Again, I want to know. Just Diablo. We don't. Uh, We've got, I, everyone's never, got their blind spots. Everyone's got their. Blind I've spots. never played Diablo, and I guess if the beta is getting good reception, who am I to tell them that they're wrong? But I've just had in my head this whole time of like blizzards a mess. So if they release a game, that's a mess. I won't be surprised by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really where I've been at. I was also, I have really, I haven't paid it much mind because I just think this game's going to be broken when it comes out. It's not going to work properly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, whether that, that gets like, we we have very much a Keeley centric view of game of the year, and I just think that makes the conversation easier. Whether that's one of the six, everybody, I don't know. Here's the six. Lock it down, okay? Mm-hmm. It's so obvious that these six are all going to be there. Tears of the Kingdom. Yep. Final Fantasy sixteen. Maybe. Hi-Fi Rush. Oh. I I fire is gonna be there. No, or half hour is gonna be there. Stop. Starfield. Mm-hmm. Write it down. Okay. I'm writing it down. Hollow Knight Soak Song. Ooh. Please, please. <laughs> I could really use that for the league. You know, not looking so hot for me. And Owen's gonna roll his eyes, but it's just the way that the world and games are. Spider Man Two will be there. I for- I keep forgetting about Spider Man Two. 
I don't think Spider-Man 2 is going to come out, to be honest. Um, it is. It's going to come out. Don't you worry. You're pretty little head. Because that's I mean, all Sony has this year. Let's look at first party games. We could look at Ragnarok. We, we were kind of like dead silent on that. And then they just decided, yeah, it is, it is coming out. They, they And then Owen was dead silent on it after he beat it, too. So we really carried that torch. Granted, I feel like when the first... I say first when God of War 2018 was releasing, they were also like really dead silent on that game. Like we didn't have like trailers for it for nope. so many yeah. gaps of time, and then they just kind of dropped. Like, yeah, it's coming out in April. We have a trailer here. Wait, and maybe you're, that's you're just saying they were quiet on Spider-Man 2018. No, no, no. I'm saying uh, God of War 2018. Uh, I'm trying even, to say even like that. I disagree with. I, I feel yeah, like that there was a a marketing lead up to that game. Very quickly, like before it came out, I think it wasn't until like two months before. Like, no, I felt like, no, no, we saw it at a Sony conference like years before. I know once, but I, I don't, I we've I never, the, oh, we, we've seen a concept trailer essentially for Spider Man 2. Uh-huh. Um, different situation, yeah, yeah. but oh, and we also saw that three years ago, yeah, but. Was it that long ago? No, no. It wasn't. Yes. No, I was living at my apartment. I didn't move in three years ago. Um, I've only lived at my apartment for a, a year and a half. It would be two years ago then. I watched it in my apartment. Oh, and I'm telling it this- did not happen. We did not see that te- teaser last fucking year. I can tell you that right now. We saw it in the last PlayStation showcase, which was the very end of 2021. It was like September or November or October of uh it was not 2021 it, it was in the fall window of 2021 and we are currently in the winter almost spring window of 2023 so about a year and a half ago it's coming out this year sony's already pushing it in their marketing you're already seeing spider-man 2 in commercials it's like oh buy ps5 it's coming later this year because it's their main fall game this year they they don't have any other first party games coming, so they need something. And it's going to be Spider Man 2. And it's going to be nominated for Game of the Year, the Keeleys. Did I say six? I think I said six. I you said. I, you did say six. You did say six of them. That was um, six. But uh, my, my early year takeaway is also still uh, if Xbox was this quiet about their games like they have been in the past and they've just received like hell over those periods of time it it seems like playstation isn't receiving hell for never talking about their games anymore what's happening well because look at the ps5 so far look at the first party games they've released god of war ragnarok horizon forbidden west ratchet and clank rift apart returnal demon souls remake what are you saying? Returnal. Returnal. Grand Turismo 7. Astro's Playroom. I think that's... I know there's yeah. Sackboy's little big adventure, but it's, you know, it's not like, oh my god. And, and, those, and then, are, those are good games, but I'm... This this year and a half ago that I'm referencing when Spider-Man 2 was announced, that, that was the last time we heard about PlayStation games. But you are still getting PlayStation games in between the last time you've heard about them. We got whereas one. Xbox oh, two, are just two. like, yeah. Whereas Xbox is just like, so 
we got Guardians of the Galaxy on Game Pass. Isn't that cool? It's like Xbox. What are we doing? Where's everything? Oh my god. Hey, Civilization Six just came to Game Pass, and I'm kind of excited mm. about that. I'm pretty pumped. Yeah, I was saying, oh, and there's the whole reason, right? And there's a difference is that PlayStation fans are still being fed, whereas Xbox is like, hey guys, this Starfield game, it's so cool. You well, guys are gonna I, love it. Xbox if you ever just got Hi-Fi Rush. Yes, but, but people, like, no, don't don't talk to me about Hi-Fi Rush. Okay, I'm gonna talk about Hi-Fi Rush. Don't talk to me about here. No, you know, no, know it all on that game. Well, but, I, I I know enough to say like this is a high quality Xbox game, and the, and they deserve the credit for having released a high quality oh. game. I have more to say about that, but also the reason it is like they need they need more credit, but at the same time, they had never talked high fry rush, so they didn't have that long term. Like, why is there been such like a long term negativity on Xbox because people didn't know this game existed until the game it came out? It's it's true. I just think uh, that there's often a double standard with the consoles, and I am someone that is antsy about the fact that PlayStation isn't saying anything and all of all of the reports that leak through in the last two years are we doing this again no uh, do- to some right. extent to some extent we are doing this again every report that's leaked through has been bad and the most recent one that I don't think we've addressed at all is rumors that the last of us factions is going to be on PS4 I have not heard of this until now. I have not heard about this until now also, which is kind of crazy. I'm going to do a quick Google search to make sure that this report is, well, maybe the report's not correct, but at least see that the report happened. Owen's Um, doing his own research live, everyone. So here's here's the thing. Well, Last of Us Part 2 was on PS4, so I'm not not super concerned about how this is going to perform. I could see, like, for a multiplayer game, they would want as many people as playing it as possible, which I guess is okay no, like, I, I, don't, I don't think the performance is going to be too hampered because last of us part two looked and ran really damn well yeah i mean the last of us part one is only on ps5 right not the last of us to be confused like last yes. of us is a ps3 yes. game last the of last of us part one, part one. Is only on ps5 okay that's what i thought but that's the only thing that'd be like oh that's weird like that that can that run on a ps4 and i'm sure it could if last of us part two is running on you know ps4 so and Spider-Man 2 is a PS5 only, so it seems like PlayStation first parties are finally starting to mostly make the jump of just PS5. Mm-hmm. I think we're finally there, at the very least. And something like Factions also being on PS4, because yeah, it's multiplayer, makes me feel like a little okay about that. Like, I don't think it's like a red flag for like, oh no, first party Sony's just staying there. I think we have enough signs otherwise, otherwhere to be okay with that. Even within Naughty Dog, just them dropping part one on PS5 only is enough to be like, okay, they get, they're get they there. I believe that they're there. But Faction specifically, so isolated. So their uh, their website seems to indicate that it's coming to PS4 and, and there's a report on it. But um, Okay. I don't, I don't know what's making you guys say that it, uh, it seems like we're at the point that they've moved on to the next generation. The, the only thing that you can point to with that uh, is we have Returnal, we have Ratchet, and we have The Last of Us Part 1. And Forbidden West, right? No. Forbidden West was cross-gen, but pa- Burning Shores is PS5 only. Yes. Okay. That's kind of crazy. Interesting. 
That's crazy. But DLC is only available because now. they're making the jump. They said the things that we wanted to actually achieve in this DLC we couldn't do if we had to also co-develop for PS4. So that's why they left the PS4 behind. Owen, I have spent many, many episodes trying to persuade you against negativities against PlayStation and Sony to no avail. And I don't know if I even want to bother anymore because you'll just do the fear mongering live service, live service, games and serve, and I won't be able to stop you. I but think- I really do think this is a moment where you can get excited for the fact that we're moving on for the PS4. I I hope you're right. I just don't think the that the proof is fully there yet. I need to see them announce games that are not coming to both systems. Spider-Man 2 is not coming to both systems. Do we know that for sure? Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. I'm telling you we do. Okay. Um, Why is it with PlayStation you second-guess everything, but Nintendo and Xbox are like, yes, your thing, babe, whatever you say. Because I don't trust Jim Ryan. That's why. Um, I mean, the fact that he openly admitted to Activision's face, I don't want concessions. I just want to kill the deal. Like, holy shit. Yeah, no, I... He, <laughs> I can't believe he just said it. They, they are all slimy businessmen in their own way, but he is the most, like, just wears it on his sleeve that he's in it for profit and nothing else, and I'm, I'm going to be critical of that. Um... And that's that's why we've stuck around on PS4 for so long because he sees profit there. Um, so that that's why I give PlayStation more shit than anything. If if they had if they had some other slimy businessman who at least was willing to uh, you know be somewhat emotionally invested in the hobby, then I would be more forgiving of PlayStation. Is that reasonable? But I can always bring up Herman Holst, and you're like, yeah, he's not a real person. Yeah, he doesn't count. Well, he looks like he's made of CGI. And um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think he's the most personable guy, and maybe I hold that against him. Are you the most personable guy, Owen? Sometimes. Speaking of <laughs> this year in games, Halo 3. Or in what? the Will of the Wisp, Hi-Fi Rush, best three games Xbox has ever published. Wow. And Big declaration here. Because Hi-Fi Rush is that fucking game. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. James and I were have been gushing about it to each other. It's... I remember watching Kind of Funny's Ken of Bridge of Spirits review and stick with me. And Greg would talk, Greg Miller would say, oh, it's a great PS2 game. It's a great PS2 game. And he met that kind of, you know, both in a positive way, but also in a condescending, like, oh, we've moved, you know, we've moved past these types of games. And I've heard a lot of people say that, oh, Hi-Fi Rush is like a great classic, like late PS2, early PS3 Capcom game. And while I haven't played a lot of those Capcom games, the idea of comparing it to many games that came before it, like, what if you just had a game that was about fun? Just a fun character, a fun world, fun art design, fun music, just set, and not the kind of sitting, oh, you know, it's fun, it's fun, but like, no, the main focus is it's fucking fun. Hi Fi Rush is just pure, like, I'm gonna sound like Tim Gettys, but it is 
when I think of video games, I will think of Hi-Fi Rush. I feel like Hi-Fi Rush is the art form and, like, the landscape of video games in its purest form. Just a seven- to nine-hour adventure with really fun characters, a great soundtrack, wonderful world, like, level design, the character design, the fact that the music is in sync with both the combat and the environment around you. The voice acting is fun. The story's simple and not overly complicated. The characters are really fun. The, the just great performances all around. This is like this game has more personality than the entire like damn near most of Xbox's first party lineup. Oh my god, I can't say enough good things about Hi-Fi Rush. I'm so happy it exists. I can't believe it came out of Xbox. I know technically Tango Game works Bethesda, but the fact that it's an Xbox first-party game, it, to me, it screams like Capcom or Nintendo in terms of how creative it is, and Xbox is not. Everything that this game excels at is not shit that Xbox is usually known for. I think uh, a takeaway from the release of Hi-Fi Rush and going into the end of last year with the release of Pentiment, where everyone wants to get on Xbox for kind of like not having an identity and seeming like they're floundering a lot of the time. But as a result, we get some interesting things out of them. And I, I, it sounds like Hi-Fi Rush was overall more successful than Pentiment, but I'm still positive on Pentiment. I just feel like neither of those two games could have existed on really any other platform without it being more focused and more under like a cohesive brand identity. Um, so, I mean, uh, t- take the good with the bad. We can all be mad at... Uh, Xbox for constantly pushing their games and seemingly not knowing what they're doing on a production end, but... But my thing is, they're, like... I feel like Xbox's problem is they announce these games way too early in advance, and then they never fucking talk about them until right before they come out, so then they just leave fans in these gap years of just hearing nothing, and it's like, is the game still coming out? Is it still being made? What's the status of it? It leaves just enough time for a report about how it's actually the most disastrous development that's ever taken place. Yes, whereas I don't think PlayStation does that. PlayStation announces like announces their games, and in like a two to three years like window, they all come out. Whereas Xbox, like, here's a game, we'll see you in six years, and that happens way more often than it should. Um, I need to go back to Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, I I will I will beat it. Um, this year it's, it's just kind of been the type of game that I haven't been in the mood to play it for two hours straight. I've only ever wanted to play it one level at a time. Um, and that, that's more to do with just my, my mood in games lately more than it has to do with the game itself. Um, and again, like I said, during our near autonomous talk that there is a moment in hi-fi rush that I felt way more for and during than anything in near. And I just, again, I'm playing this like this is a fucking Xbox shadow drop. Like I can't, I can't believe how good this is. You know what that means, Peter? You're a big fan of these shadow drop Xbox games. What if you turn the wheel back a little bit and you'd be like, hey, this Pentiment game people also were pretty high on. Pentiment was not a shadow drop. Okay, it wasn't shadow drop, but 
Shadow. No, but, but Peter right. would not I, like Pentiment. I'm, I he, wouldn't even entertain the idea that Peter would like Pentiment. Okay. Mark, have you played Pentiment? No, but it's. Why are you cool. pushing me for it then? I'm just saying. Try try a cool new thing that just it's, wouldn't have been possible cool. without Xbox Game Pass. It's cool, but uh, it's a heavy, heavy buy-in. And, and if people aren't able to get through that buy-in period until it starts getting interesting, and even once it gets interesting, it can still be pretty boring, um, I, I wouldn't blame anyone for not being able to get through that. Uh, but... Mark, are you gonna are you gonna play Hi Fi Rush? Do you think Hi Fi Rush is the kind of game I would play when I see oh this game is so nominated and if it is nominated for Game of the Year, it would be the stray of this year for me. It's like okay, this the game doesn't seem like of this year for me. Like how I look at Stray last year, it's just like okay, everyone seems to love this game, but I know I am not that into this game. But I just want to understand what the buzz is all about because I when I first saw the trailer for this game, I like. Oh, I don't like this art style. Oh, this main character seems really annoying. I don't really like him. I don't want to. I don't want it to play as him. The idea that this game is an action rhythm game—that's the one thing where I'm like, oh, I, that seems like it could be cool. How deep is this? How fast is it going to get? Because that would be the two things. Like, if this game gets really high speed, fast pace on rhythm, then that sounds like a lot of fun. If it's just like slow beats to the rhythm, I feel like I would fall off of that very, very quickly. Um, it just would be taking the word of you guys. I know I, at first glance, I think, oh, this looks like a cool thing to exist. But I I have no desire to play this game, really. It would just be off of sheer recommendation of quality. Um, Here's a question I have for Owen and I. Do we think we're at, so we're a third of, or like, you know, we're three months into the year. Are we going to have 10 brand new games at the end of the year? I have, I only have two so far. Um, well, th- this is a twofold question for me. I have what I'm considering to so far, because I'm considering the Hitman freelancer mode as like a, a, a new, a new addition to that this year that I've played. It, it's, it's, it's a substantial, grasping. it's a substantial expansion. Um, uh, it's, it's in the expansion category. I'm not declaring it like a brand new game. Um, but it, if I had played Destiny 2 Lightfall, I would have that on my list, too. Um, the reason this question is interesting to me right now is that I'm going through a bit of a gaming philosophy change in that I want to be completely done with the rat race around new games because when you're too tapped into like gaming podcasts and content in general and you try and make it like I have on this podcast and in YouTube form, I, I feel like I need to be playing that the, the stupid little game that just came out on game pass where you're a frog and your job is to make salads for everyone. And you have to have an opinion on the frog salad game. Um, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't want to. Uh, then may I propose? Because I think we butted heads a bit with our top. If you and I don't do 10 new games this year, can we just do a top five? 
Because then I feel like a top five would actually have a lot more weight, especially if we were to play six games or seven games or eight games, but not a full 10. Because then we actually have to decide whether we really have to think about, oh, what about six, seven, eight? Are those actually five, four, three? We Our honorable mentions would actually mean something. There would be more weight behind the list than just a 10 that gets a bit filled in at the end and like seven through 10 don't really mean much. We, we can address it at the end of the year to see where we're at. I'm what I am still a proponent of, even though I didn't physically do this. I don't mind Mark's mindset of like end of the year comes around. Stray is nominated for everything. It's not a game that was on his radar, but because there's been such a heavy endorsement of it, those are the type of new games that um, even if I wasn't considering them, I'm willing to give a try. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm I'm just not in the uh, I need to be playing a new 2023 game every single week type of thing because whenever I get in that mindset I just kind of stop playing games because I don't want to partake in it. Mm-hmm. Um, as for if we'll hit 10, I think I will. I am going to play uh, Resident Evil 4 remake because I. I'm going to get it for my birthday. That is in a week. Um, and I plan to play it, and I think it'll be a good time. That will be another one on my list. I'm really looking forward to, even if reviews are middling, and I'm putting a lot on the line with this, but that indie game Chia, I really want to play. Um, are reviews middling? Well, no. I, reviews haven't come out yet, but it comes Damn, out in like excited. a week or so. <laughs> um, I, I'm curious in that, too. That could be something I make the time for if, if word is good on it. If I have a hangnail talk for 20 seconds. I have to get rid of this. It's driving me insane. Go for it. If word is, even if it's a 7.5 out of 10, but people are having fun with it, I want to play that game because it's a all about traversal. And I'm a, I'm a sucker for good traversal in the game um so after chia after resident evil 4 that gets me to four games i include starfield i include spider-man 2 i include final fantasy 16 these are all games i plan to play that gets me to seven um I think I'll find three more games to fill in somewhere along the way there. Uh, maybe I'll be wrong. And maybe there's something major I'm forgetting about. Uh, I never ended up trying Hogwarts Legacy, even though it's on one of the Xboxes in my apartment. I just I don't think I'd like the game, to be honest. So um, I don't think that will be one of them. Maybe at some point during the year I'll I'll become persuaded and I'll try it out. I can tell you the next new game I'm probably going to play. Which is? Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp, baby! I keep forgetting that that game's coming out. Oh, I'm oh. not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love it. I didn't even list Tears of the Kingdom. I'm going to play Tears of the Kingdom, obviously. that That's going to shelve everything around it when that game comes out. Um, I mean, for me, it's Starfield, Spider-Man 2, Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp. What else am I? Because I'm going right now. I'm going through our uh, game leak. See picks like games we picked and see like, oh, do any of these really stand out to me? And really, it's just those five Pikmin Four. I'm doing Pikmin Four. Definitely playing Pikmin 
four. I have to play Pikmin four. I'm I'm locked into a uh, contractual obligation to play it, and I have to play all the other Pikmin games too before then. There is a world because the last gameplay showcase they had it it looked pretty interesting. There's a world where I try out Minecraft Legends. Oh, um, I think that game seems. If it's executed properly, it seems like it could be like a lot of fun. I agree. I remember I talked about it after E3 last year. It's just like this game still stands out to me. And as I've watched more gameplay, it still stands out to me. The game that I want to play that I don't think I'm going to is Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I just think that game looks really good. Um, I have another one. What? The Last Case of Benedict Fox. Um, if that gets good reviews, I could see myself trying it. I do plan on trying Wo Long Fallen Dynasty as well. Um, and that's a Game Pass game, so that will be easy for me to uh, try out one of these days. Mark, have you already said Sea of Stars? Uh, it's on my radar, but the only thing that might stop me from doing that is because I'm slowly going to be playing Octopath 2 throughout the year. I don't know if I want to be juggling too. That might be going on a to play when I really want to play a good JRPG list. Um, yeah, so I mean, my expectation is that I'll surpass 10 this year. Uh, um, I'm not promising anything. I'm looking yeah, at like fine. seven right now. Um, but uh, in general, I'm not, I'm not searching for solely 2023 games to play anymore. I've been, I've mentioned in the past how I've been randomly picking up Breath of the Wild again. I've been having a lot of fun with that. I'm playing Yakuza Kiwami, which is a much older game. Um, I've been playing the original Resident Evil 4. I've, I've really just been searching for the games I actually want to play and only worrying about that as opposed to what year they came out. And there's plenty expected to come out this year that seem like games that I actually want to play. So that's good. That's one thing that's exciting for me once I beat XCOM. And again, I already want to play XCOM, but like after XCOM, like near is done. Like I, I have no path. Like I, I can go wherever I want. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah, you're really going to have a clean slate with Hi-Fi yeah. Rush done as well. Yeah, Hi-Fi Rush, then XCOM, because you're like, oh, we have to play XCOM, and then... I might start Devil May Cry. I don't know because those are my new like that's my gaming New Year's resolution. Or I could not. I don't know. It's just I can do whatever I want, but it's fun. Could play Bayonetta Origins, the Razor, and the Lost Demon, Peter. Boy, Nintendo's probably looking at the game, going like, "Oh, this is what we're stuck with. This is what they want to make." Really? Like, oh, okay. I guess we'll publish those. I, I that game has gotten very middling reviews, and I knew right from the jump there was there was no way that game was going to be received positively. It's a it's a weird game. It's like you're only you're gonna be such a, you're doing such a huge genre swap in the Bayonetta universe. Like the only people who are gonna do this or like sign on to this are the dedicated hardcore Bayonetta fans who just really want something out of the series, but not like the fans who are there for like the gameplay. Like you're there because you like Bayonetta, which is I don't know, not a large audience. Yeah, I don't think. All right, uh, we got. I would say a pretty heavy taste of Peter's thoughts on Hi-Fi Rush, but I think it's time to finally move into what we've been playing. Um, do you think you left any meat on the bone there, Peter, or uh, do you just want to move on to whatever else you've done? 
Uh, we're, we can talk more about Hi-Fi Rush when it's in all three of our uh, top ten of the year at the end of the year. And I know oh, we sure. will. Call so. in his oh, shot. Yeah. yeah, so we can talk about that later. We'll be talking about Hi-Fi Rush throughout the year, so don't worry about it. I've, I've, yeah, I've obviously already talked about Nier. And then the only other game I've been playing is uh, The War is Back On, everybody. And XCOM 2, War of the Chosen. We've been talking about it for months. We're finally here. We are in almost full XCOM mode. Mark hasn't started yet, but... uh. Uh, this is a game club game. I don't know how much we want to talk about it because I know we usually I, like to keep our thoughts. How do we want to do this? I have a, what may be a controversial opinion. <clears throat> because of how experiential this game is and how much everything can vary for us and also us newcomers to the game, how confused we'll get, I think we should be willing to have a little bit more of an open conversation about XCOM 2. Okay. Um. Because I I don't have a bunch of fully formed thoughts on it yet. The only formed thought is that I have to switch to the PlayStation copy I have because the Switch version was just way too poor. Uh, and it would be a real struggle for me to want to play it for 35 hours or however long this is going to take. Um, so it ultimately might make it so that I'm slower at playing the game because I'm not around my PS5 at all times. But uh, I think the change will be worth it. Um, and I was lucky that I had already bought it on sale on PS5 like a year ago. And I got dreams of grandeur when I saw it go on sale on Switch. And I figured it would be good enough. But they need to... I, I The near Automata devs need to host like a master class of how to port to Switch. Because that game runs so well on Switch... Um, but unfortunately that can't be said for all ports. Uh, but yeah, I think we should be more willing to talk about it openly because it'll kind of be fun to recap some of the stories and, and characters that we're creating ourselves. And also there's just a ton of different elements that, uh, I feel like we I, as a newcomer, just wouldn't know. Like uh, James, who's playing along with us, just just put in our chat that he built the Guerrilla Tactics School and how useful that is. Would would that have been spelled out to me by the time I get there? Maybe I don't know, but uh, it's helpful knowing that that is a an essential thing that I should have in my base. Joe is also playing with us, which I didn't expect, but I think FOMO got to him and. He's enjoying it, and I I hope he's willing to put up with the uh, with the Switch version more than I am. Because I, if I think he, he probably with, is, but with his life, there's no way he can beat the game on PS5. There's yeah. just no way. Um. So yeah, uh, willing to be a little bit more open on XCOM 2. One thing I thought was funny, I haven't gotten very much into character customization, but I did have a soldier whose name was randomly generated. And it was my boss's name, so I just thought that was like a funny coincidence. Um, and I look forward to getting more into that. I did just restart on PS5, so I quick skipped all the cutscenes. I uh, did the tutorial mission, and then I'll be able to get more into it later on. Um, the only question I have for you, Peter, on XCOM 2 is, should I care about the story at all? It's not bad it's i it's serviceable it's fun it's fine like it is technically a sequel to enemy unknown 
So there are some things you're missing. It's again, if you want to, go ahead. If you don't want to, that's also fine. Like, I, I, I'm I don't more think... in the don't want to camp. Yeah. Well, then don't. Yeah, then don't. I don't think you have to. Um. So you started XCOM two. Is that is that uh what you got for what you've been playing? We've we've been talking about the games you've been playing actually all episode. Yeah. So <laughs> so yeah, that's it for me. I just happened to be talking about everything already. XCOM, we're up. We're gonna talk about way more. I don't need to take up our limited time. Hey, I'm playing XCOM two. We're gonna talk about it throughout the next few. I don't know how long. It's gonna be a while that we're playing it. So yeah, that's it for me. Um, I'll go next quickly because uh, I. Uh, speaking of my different gaming philosophies, I've also been indulging more in just other things generally as opposed to gaming. So um, I haven't made a ton of progress. I've still been chipping away at Breath of the Wild. I started XCOM 2. Um, I've also been chipping away at Yakuza and Resident Evil 4. None of that has changed. I really don't have any opinions to elaborate on there. Uh Avatar The Way of Water is fucking sick. That movie yes, is awesome. Is. Um, Did you see it in IMAX by chance? No, it wasn't even available to see an IMAX anymore. Oh, man. But, uh, that's a huge bummer. But it was... I was in a theater completely by myself. I work right near a theater, and I just kind of set it up so that I would be going to a, a showing that was right at the end of my shift. Um, And... I, I loved it. I was here for all of the like, oh, well, they, they spent 20 minutes swimming with whales. Give me more. I, I wish it was 40 minutes. Yeah, I, I, I was I would, all for it. <laughs> it was beautiful. Um, like the IMAX experience of that movie is just it was so incredible because like the way like you just feel like you are also underwater, like with all the specs everywhere you can kind of see it. even when like. The, the best parts of that IMAX experience is just like when they're like swimming at the surface of the water, like at the top, not even underwater. It just feels like you are right there with them at mm-hmm. water, just floating in the waves with them. It was, it was really incredible. And I, I, it sucks that there will be probably no way for me to experience that again. So long as it's not in IMAX. Theaters. Well, the, uh, the avatar movies are no stranger to coming back to theaters. So I wouldn't be it's surprised true. if it comes back to IMAX one day. I mean, another thing that just sucks for us is that our only IMAX theater here in Buffalo, New York, is getting taken away at some point, so we won't have that option. Also. Yes, which uh, I assume that that option will eventually come back because they can't just leave an IMAX theater with yeah, exactly with like no they're not use. just going to leave an IMAX the only IMAX in a fucking city. Um, that it would just be stupid to have that be the case. I hope uh, some local business owner just buys it and they don't call it like movie theater. They just call it like after the road name. Like it could just be like Tim's. Let's just call it that. <laughs> it's just had to know it's a movie theater. It's just, hey, we're going to Mike's. We're going to Tim's, whatever. Tim Max. Um, the other thing I've been doing is I've really been pushing ahead, full steam ahead on the Double Fine documentary. I believe I'm on part 28 now out of 32. I- I fell off. Yeah, I figured I, you were going to, which is a shame. I just got burnt out. Like, it's good. It, I don't know. It's just like, it's a lot. And it's like, I love documentaries, but it's like 32 episodes. It's over an hour long. It's like, uh, I, I just fell off. I think it's, uh, I still think it's pretty incredible. And I actually feel like I have a better idea about 
how game development works after watching it. Um, there's a lot of interesting drama that goes down, some of which was kind of more telegraphed than expected, others uh, was not. Um, I did get to see the Microsoft acquisition stuff, and that's been interesting so far because they're still kind of in the middle of like, how is this going to work, period. Um, and like at one point, Matt Booty comes in as like talking to the team about how like, oh, nothing really needs to change. We have a very hands-off attitude. But then there's like kind of a hands-off com- or um, a more tense conversation, I mean, of uh, a topic of like moonlighting and people working on other things while also being double fine employees uh, comes up. And this is something that has been totally fine at Double Fine the whole time. And they do this Amnesia Fortnite thing where they develop little mini games for the course of two weeks. And it's all allowed by the studio. Um, And the, like, structure has always been like, oh, if you make an Amnesia Fortnite game, like, the studio might decide, like, oh, that was a great idea and we should expand that for a future game. But, like, the studio doesn't outright own your idea and anything you're working on outside of work isn't Ooh. owned. And Matt, Matt Booty was, like, kind of implying, like, yeah, well, we need to have a conversation about that. <laughs> and, like, basically saying, like, he wants Microsoft to be entitled to, like, any ideas that anyone on the Double Fine team comes up with. And when I heard that, it was like, ooh, Uh-oh. Going, going full corporate here. It um, seems all these years later, though, it seems like it's going all right. It does seem like it's going all right. And, uh, I mean, Microsoft flat out saved Psychonauts 2. Uh, their their publisher, um, Starbreeze, Starbreeze. They, they got all wrapped up in insider trading. And then, uh, seemingly, uh, the CEO of the company fled the United States. Um, so then they were not in a good spot. Um, so, uh, a lot of development was done before Microsoft and Microsoft doesn't get the credit for Psychonauts 2 very much, but the fact that we got the game that we got, what the finished product was that came out in 2021, that just simply wouldn't have been possible without them. Um, the other aspects I've been, I guess I shouldn't be surprised and there are times in this documentary where <laughs> a, a topic of crunch and all that will come up at a studio that doesn't seem to do it very often, at least in its current form. And it's partly the problem of the pacing of the documentary and maybe partly a problem of how much people are willing to take. Uh, because whenever someone's issue is brought up it's like oh well well this person thinks we should we should be a little bit more aware of crunch and then they have a whole conversation about it and it's tense at points but you think like okay well that that should have alleviated some issues or at least make you feel better that that the conversation's being had but then that person like leaves the company immediately pretty much 
and I, it just makes me wonder, like, is this what every game developer looks like right now? Is, is everyone coming into some sort of challenge and some companies are going to be better at dealing with it than others? And I'm inclined to think that Double Fine is probably better at dealing with it than others. But it doesn't matter. Like, they've already found their next job and they're moving on. Because that's what it seems like is happening in the games industry when every single week it's like, oh very important person on this team chose to take another job and then three months later you hear about the same person they chose to take another job like i i feel like at a certain point people have to just be willing to to uh i don't know stick with a project i i I feel like i as a person would have a lot of difficulty being integral in a project like creating a game and then just wanting to leave the project after like uh, a week. Well, what if the new job process. offers pay more? Well, they might, but that's not that's not always the thing. Um, if they determined that they weren't getting paid enough at Double Fine, then I guess that's something to take into consideration. But I would, as long as I was already making enough, um, I would stay at a better job over getting paid to go to like Google. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Um, but that that's also not the case for for like everyone that ends up leaving this documentary because you see a lot of turnover. It takes place over like six years. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a very common thing in the industry where many studios just struggle to retain uh, senior talent. Everyone's just always leaving. Some people, too much gets put on their plate so they just jump ship. It's not even a matter of pay. It's just like, Things just not organized well, and people just want out when just stuff becomes a mess because something in production gets messed up. People even higher up in production are just trying to put our limitations on the development where it's like, okay, this is not realistic, and they're asking the world of certain people, so they just get out of these positions. It's it's tricky. People don't take care of their senior talent in this industry. I think um, there's one instance... Uh, and it's it's at the episode where uh, Peter stopped watching, where so they brought in a little bit more of a of a strict project lead, and he brings in one of his friends who is also like a leader. And I I've gone back and forth on the guy who who was the project lead. He he does not stay with the project the whole time. Interesting. Um. Because ultimately, he he ended up just kind of butting heads with too many people, and I'm I'm pretty sure it was a for the best of the project type of situation. Okay. Um. And one of the longtime employees of Double Fine, like from the beginning, she had been there like 15 years, ends up leaving, and they show multiple portions in this documentary of her pleading to the project lead and and his little friend who I I do not like the friend. Um like I understand that you guys want a more kind of uh uh iterative approach of like we find the bare bones and then we put more on it, but like this just isn't what we're used to at Double Final. Like we need to find a medium. And each and every time they would just like talk straight past her and it's like, well I don't think that's happening. I, I, I think you're wrong, and I don't think that uh, that's, like, worthwhile input. And she eventually leaves because it's like, uh, 
well, I I I think that is reasonable because it's like here's one of the longest employees here who shouldn't be dealing with this shit being told that she's wrong about everything and and they lose like a key part of of the project because of uh the the failure of these two dudes to uh to take in some sort of criticism um and that's a bit more of a reasonable deciding to make a change type of thing in my opinion Mm -hmm. but uh in general i think what i'm disconnected with is that so many game dev documentaries love going down the path of like you guys have no idea how painful this all is uh we're all getting divorced because of this game and they they choose to highlight those factors and there are points where this documentary tries to highlight how stressful everything is but i'm a little too caught up in thinking that it seems like a pretty good place to work um so i'm just not as sold and maybe in practice uh I would be proven wrong if I was a Double Fine employee. But uh, I don't know. I think Double Fine seems like a great company. And if people are getting too in their heads about working there, I'm I'm just not sure they're going to ever find the place that would make them happier. Like one one of the girls uh, who gets hired at a certain point in the documentary talks about working at Gearbox. Literally... Everyone is on a different different floor. Art is on a different floor from programmers, on a different floor from designers. And the way they get their jobs is by getting like tickets sent to them. Just telling them like, do this. That sounds miserable. That sounds like uh-huh. a horrible way to develop a game. And Double Find is showcasing a lot of collaboration. Sometimes people butt heads. Sometimes people get into arguments. It's fine. It seems like everybody has a pretty good relationship there until eventually someone uh, claims that it's just too bad. And and maybe I'm being too close-minded in thinking that uh, uh, people should just stick it out. But I don't know. I think it would be... uh, It would have been fun to be a part of the development of Psychonauts, in my opinion. Psychonauts 2, that is. Oh, and don't you have a hard 415 cutoff? I do. Um, we might have to cut the final topic, unfortunately, Mark. Dang, um, time. We, we can We can punt that to next week. Uh, and part part of that is my problem, is that I just spoke too long. I'm sorry. But uh, that's... I'm looking out for you, Mark. That's what I Thank got. You. Mark, what have you been playing? Um... Only thing I have to say I've been playing is just more Octopath Traveler 2 and Majora's Mask Randomizer. But I'm only going to focus on Octopath 2 uh, because I'm now 30 hours into the game. I'm working on getting the sixth party member at this point. I'm still only scratched the surface. I'm really just taking my time just oh my God. exploring around. <laughs> like the whole, the whole game is gated in the sense like you can explore this huge map. There's a bunch of secrets scattered throughout, but like different areas are just like it warns you before you cross the screen. It's like this area is you should be level 34 when I'm actually like level 20. It's like, okay, I'm going to try dipping my toes in the water. See if I can survive long enough in some of these areas just so I can 
find like a rare chest with like a super powerful item and then get out. And a lot of it is just failing at that. And I keep getting wiped and getting sent back to my last save. And I I like it. I like that. I get, That's how I like taking the time. I love taking big risks. And when they don't play out, just like, all right, I'm going to try this again. Just beating my head against the wall. Uh, and normally, if I was playing this just to try to get through it, I would not be enjoying the game, not trying to do that. Uh, so happy that I'm taking this at the pace that I am. But uh, Octopath Traveler 2, still really like it. Uh, I'm not like super invested in any of the stories just yet, but at the same time, uh, every character has four like four chapters to their story, and I've only done chapter one for m- every character I have done, and like a single chapter two for a character. So like, I'm not really going full on momentum on the story. I'm just having fun playing the game, just exploring all the little hidden stuff that they have scattered throughout. Whether it is side quests, just talking with all the NPCs in this game because all the NPCs, you can interact with them in so many ways. You can recruit some to join your party. You can steal from some of them. You can fight some of them, and when you knock them out, when you fight them, you, like they're blocking access to a door or something. Just finding a bunch of little secrets in this game and just enjoying it this way. And Right now, I'm thinking that's the best way to play this, because there's a lot that's kind of scattered throughout. And One day, I'll beat this game. I'll beat it before the end of the year, probably. But just cruising through, and that's really all I got to talk about. How do you have time to scratch the surface with thirty hours? I don't know. It's, it's an eighty-hour game on average if you're not doing side stuff. Apparently, I put a hundred seventy hours into Fire Emblem. In yes, game. I know. I talked to James last night, and he had I. He was stupefied. I want to send you guys a picture. Uh, we're gonna describe it. But like the second last chapter of Fire Emblem uh, Engage on Maddening, the hardest difficulty is kind of crazy on paper if someone was to look at it, where it's just you just kind of like your team starts in like two different spots. They're scattered and like ultimately they get funneled into one door. And this one door is just one arena where there's a bunch of enemies. I know. I remember. You know, Owen and listeners do not know. And by the time, like, you kind of reach this door, like, the areas where your two teams spawned, like, four enemies a turn are spawning every single turn. You get no XP from them. They are just, like, big meaty guys that are there to kill you. And I saw a screenshot of someone uh, just on Twitter, just them dealing with this at a very inopportune moment where it's, like, 50 enemies are now just scattered throughout there, just, like, choked at one point. And this guy just has three units just clogging a door with 50 enemies just trying to get through to murder him. And it's a real... It's it's moments like that, just trying to figure out how how do I do this? How do I get past this insurmount or insurmountable wall that that is, is the reason why this playthrough took 170 hours? And I don't regret it at all. Um... The way you're talking about Octopath 2 um, with the language like, oh, you'll you'll eventually beat this throughout the year, yet you're liking how slowly you're playing it. Do you, Are you feeling the, the kind of, I, I guess it would be JRPG burnout from how far you went in Fire Emblem? Um, considering it's a tactics game more so, not so much. Uh... It's a very different feel right now where Engage was a lot more of like a strategy kind of burnout or the, the real burnout was like in between the fights, really, 
where you, they have like this hub world and inside this hub world they like have a bunch of different mini games that really to a lot of people on an average playthrough maybe you look over it but it's like okay but when i do this push-up mini game my main character gets plus three strength if i do it very well i need that three strength to get on or it's like oh there's a shooting gallery wyvern mini game in here too that just takes like four minutes between every chapter of slowly going through it and maybe it doesn't matter but you get depending on how well you're doing that you get a shit ton of items and i can either use or sell those items to upgrade and buy more things and that was important and there's a fishing mini game where sometimes i can get more crystals from it and i need those crystals to upgrade my emblems and put new skills on my units such i need to get like that minutiae is what I was getting really sick and tired of, especially because it's like a lot of the same thing, music over and over again, the same motions of just running through it all. I gotta go, gotta go check up on my dogs in my Somnial hub because maybe they've dropped a rare ore. And with that rare ore, I'm gonna upgrade a sword. No, that's the part I'm sick of. I was sick of doing certain maps over and over again. Octopath, I'm not like, not beating my head against the wall in a way that I'm stuck. Uh, beating my like I I could compare it to Elden Ring where it's like. I could be beating my head against a certain bus, but I can just go somewhere else and do something else and have fun there. Uh, and that's that's what I would compare it to right now. Like it is, it is not a burnout uh, because there's just so much more I can be doing within the game itself that I have wiggle room to just have fun where I want to have fun. Okay. Um gonna be a little bit of a shorter episode today because of my hard cutoff uh but we have a few more minutes does anyone have any any quick uh maybe a qualm with another person on the podcast or just a thread they want to pull i mean i finally got to kick the shit out of you with joba god of war ragnarok and we didn't even get to all the topics we plan to talk to you about so i'm feeling pretty good against you lately you know um yeah i mean i i stand by everything i said especially about Sindri. Yeah, um, it's crazy how you managed to play an entire first-party PlayStation game with your head in a bowl of sand. It's really crazy, but you did it. You, I don't think anyone else has ever done it like you have. Good game. 8.5 out of 10. Uh, I just... I'm, I'm not a fan of the format in which we are arguing about this, which was literally just you and Joe writing paragraphs at me. Because we're ready. Uh, it, like to an extent that it would be impossible for me to respond to anything and have it be even remotely satisfying to either of you. Uh, but you know, there's nothing you could say because we're right. You can't prove us wrong. I don't think uh, we can't. We can't spoil God of War Ragnarok. No, of course not. We can't. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I I I just think it's a. It's a very good game. It's a very good mm-hmm. game. Why? Why can't that be acceptable? Because you were you. I can count on one hand the amount of positive things you said on our spoiler cast. You were so negative for most of the fucking. I couldn't believe it. I was in disbelief. I was like, oh, "What? What does he like? Like, it's just negative, negative. That's not as good. I don't know about that. Negative, negative, negative. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? We're not talking about return to the Oberdin. We're talking about God of War Ragnarok. It's a good game. Let's be positive on it. I I uh I should re-listen to the spoiler cast to even remember what I said because I mean I was 
I had beaten the game literally two minutes before getting on the podcast. Um, and I, I should see if I have any qualms looking back at what I said, because I just don't quite remember it. And on top of that, I do think Ragnarok fell victim to me hearing too many people say that it was like the greatest game ever made. And as soon as I didn't think it was that, I felt like I needed to be a voice against that mentality, even though I like the game. I still think it's probably the best story that PlayStation has ever made. I firmly do believe that. Um, because I, I firmly believe that I thought from a gameplay and story perspective, um, I thought just about everything was a step up from 2018. I, I am maintaining that I liked it more than 2018. Um, but I just, I, I wasn't sold on everything, I guess. Uh, and for that, I don't apologize. Uh, but this has been BNY episode 97. We're approaching that elusive third digit of episode 100. Um, I'm excited. Not, not many people get to say that they have 100 episodes of a podcast. And even if we decide, like, at 101, we're like, we don't want to do this anymore, at least we could say we've done a podcast that's at 100 episodes. Yeah, we're we're actually, that's a tease of our retirement. It's coming up. Um, we're going to be uh, we're gonna be announcing a fourth guest, everyone. Just do wait. It's going to be so exciting. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, we're going to try and have fun with episode 100, but... I don't think we're going to be having that much fun. <laughs> oh, don't you wait. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about, Peter. I'm very curious. I mean, I if Peter tries to, like, hold a coup on episode 100, it would it would maybe be good content. But <laughs> I, I don't know if it would stick as far as how the podcast actually functions. Um. But this has been episode 97, and it has been a pleasure to be here with all of you. Goodbye. Bye. Good night, everybody.